Hello, and welcome back to the Family Prosperity Podcast with Mason McElvain. Today, we're going to be talking about why family businesses actually do fail. Because if you've read some of the stuff on here, listen to the podcast, you know that we talk about 70% of family businesses not transitioning on to the next generation. Well, in Minnesota, it's actually significantly worse than that. It's only about 16%. That's my home state. And I really didn't understand it because I knew a lot of business people. I knew how it was to be in a business, and I just didn't understand how these high-functioning, successful, happy, competent, as many positive adjectives as you can think to throw their way, how they could possibly fail to accomplish what they're putting their mind to. I, I think it was completely insane to me that only 30% of them were able to follow through on something that almost all of them wanted to do, which was to have their next generation inherit the thing they've built and inherit what they've worked towards. So because I'm a numbers guy who's pretty much just concerned with how people are feeling, values, principles, truth and justice and all that, I of course delved right into the research because I didn't want my family going this way. I really think families make two huge mistakes when they think about transition success. Um, one of those being, and this is my family to a T, this is me to a T, my dad, my brother, my mom, we all think my family is exceptional. We're, we're an exceptional group of people and therefore we can't fall victim to something like this. So we don't need to set up the structures or do the things that we've read about. That's, I think that's one set of families and they're, they're usually right because you have to be exceptional to succeed as a family business. You can't just decide we're a family, we are starting a business, kind of haphazardly go about it and think you're gonna make your fortune. No, you needed to be exceptional to do that. It's an exceptional group of people. And yes, it is almost impossible to succeed and start a business, a family business. The problem is when everyone's special, no one is, which means the statistics are probably gonna bear out on you and your family. So even if you are exceptional, like a lot of other families who make highly successful family businesses, it doesn't mean you're not subject to all of the failures that plague other businesses just like you. I mean, I think most of the families I would categorize as exceptional in some way. I think they think that that does provide the immunity that I was talking about, but it just straight doesn't. In Minnesota, again, my home state, as I said, it's even worse. We have a lot of stoic, hardworking, highly competent individuals that are just going to continue to succeed as long as they're able to continue working and being a part of that business and have it function the way it's functioning right now. I'm not saying that just because you're exceptional, it doesn't mean your business isn't going to fail tomorrow. I honestly don't think that if you've built a stable business, it's going to fail until something changes. And when things start to change, and it doesn't just have to be transition, this is way bigger than that. Yes, I'm talking about transition right now, but the thing that catalyzed my family is an illness, right? So you go, oh, the person leading it right now is out of the business. Can we survive that? So again, just because your business right now, how it's functioning at the moment, 
seems almost immune to failure because of you and the people around you and the thing that you've built, things constantly change. Transition is the biggest killer of a business being in the family. But all of these other scenarios you also need to think about. And no matter how exceptional you are, you're going to need a plan for that. So that's just a point there for those exceptional families or an accept exceptional group of individuals, depending on how your firm is structured, that can take something from nothing and just bring value into the world. It's incredible. It's amazing. And I think it's one of the most important things that you can do. So you are exceptional. Good job. That doesn't mean you won't fail to transition. You need plans and policies. The other mistake is that people go, this is never going to work for me. There's too much conflict. I'm just going to kind of decide how, how this goes. Set up it, set it up pretty good with from a tax strategy perspective, from a money perspective. Set the plan in motion. I was able to get this going. And that's that's that really hardcore entrepreneur person, someone who still might care about their family a lot, but they're just not sure that next generation is ready or can be ready without some guiding force. And so they just go, I'm going to prescribe something down on them. And this kind of ties right back into that last long form podcast I did about the five decisions you can make that just aren't good enough. I'm not questioning because, yeah, I talked about being exceptional. This person's probably exceptional too, but they're not, they're concerned that their family isn't, isn't in an exceptional position or that whoever they're putting in place isn't going to be exceptional enough to do what they did. Of course, they're not. They're not you. They're not going to do everything you did. Totally fine. But if you are in a, in a semi-tyrannical way, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go at it that hard because I, I really think that's what it is, and it's one of the biggest sticking points in failures because the decisions in the future can't be by dominion. They can't be a monarchical control of the business if you want it to be growing past anything that one person can do. Like we have a president of the United States they're not making decision about how the DMV down the road is functioning. There's a hierarchical level of control and there's a dispersed decision-making process that doesn't all come back to one person. So if you come up with a plan that is focused on individual tyranny and control, then you're just going to fail to get the buy-in and you're going to fail to have the dispersed decision-making process and the not I'm, not I'm not gonna go so far as to say communal because it's not people have different roles responsibility expertise knowledge all that it's that shared decision-making process with different focuses and multiple areas of expertise including advisors and other individuals if you can't foster that because you've planned from above ahead of time how things need to function or you've set it up and then passed it on like you've put all this effort you've got this amazing brain and you've decided I know how this needs to work I've been thinking about this and that's what people that have set up these complex structures it's it's how they think it's how I think when I set something up that I have to control and use it so it's not bad it's a strength of yours if you think this way you're thinking 
I understand this. I've thought about this for an incredibly long time. It means a lot to me. It means the most to me because my family means a lot to me and this business means a lot to me. So I'm the person best positioned to make the decision for the future because I do know better than these other people because you do. And I do understand this better than these other people because I, because you do. And, and you're not wrong at all. And you probably, at least mostly, I'm not going to say you're making 100% of a perfect decision, but people conflate the concept of making this, this right decision. And again, this is pointing right back to that. So if you listen to this, fast forward a few minutes. But I'm just hitting on it again because it's that it's that transition failure too. It's these larger, more abstract decisions. When you're making that correct decision for other people and for something that has to grow and change, it's just like Michael would talk about with an overcomplicated trust that's structured and has a stranglehold on the future because it doesn't fit where the people need to need to go and it doesn't respond to future context. And that's why when you're setting up a government, a business, or a family, you have the ability to change the rules, change the plans, and execute things in a different way. Especially as times change, businesses grow, businesses change. So don't be a monarch, especially if you're not the kind of person who thinks a monarchical government's a good idea. If you want to have governance, treat it like a government where you have people that are helping make the rules, participating, and even if they're not in a leadership position, they can at least have something similar to a vote when they've got that stake. So really think about it that way. And I don't want you to hear this as you're not making the right calls or you don't understand what needs to happen. You probably do better than me, better than anyone else in your business because it's particular to everyone's situation. Just don't get caught in the tr in this trap of enforcing a future without this buy-in and without this consent. So that's that that those kind of two mistakes. Either you think you're so good that there's no way you're going to fall victim to these classic blunders to make a princess bride reference, or you're thinking that, gosh, these other people just aren't there yet, and so I've got to teach them i have to put these rules down on them and they're going to go through really though we can actually just break down the scenarios when these transitions fail and then talk about how to mitigate those risks and what the factors that exacerbate those risks are so getting back to these actual studies if we're talking about the three ways that the transition doesn't happen there's really only three scenarios when the transition doesn't happen. So if all the family members don't want to take over the business, which happens way more than you'd think even in, in a business that includes them, they just want to get out of there because the only reason that they were really there was because it was helping them stick with that older generation. They made good money. They were able to, to work with the people they cared about. But once that next generation, especially if they're making a really hard cut and just stepping away from the business like so many people just intend to do. They don't even think about what they're going to do after they step away from the business. And they go, yeah, I'm planning on getting out in five years. I'm just going to step away from it, take the money, and you guys run it. And, and that, so there's no reason for them to stay. They're scared, and they don't want 
to take it over, which you might not think is where your family's at, but you gotta think whether you've actually asked them about that. I mean, there's there have been people that I've talked with when the current head of the business says, yeah, I always saw you running it. They just look like they, they, <laughs> they got hit by a train because they had no idea that they were supposed to take over this entire business in the future. They're thinking maybe we hire an executive, maybe we sell it off. I'm just here to work with my mom or my dad or whoever. And yeah, that, so that's a recipe for disaster. That's one way. Another way is that everyone in charge of making this decision, and this can be one person or a group of people, are going to reject the family member that you're trying to put in these leadership positions. And that, again, is going to be way more common than you think because even if you, you go, well, this one person's had way more experience, they're older, they know things, everyone's been in there and it's been a part of their lives and they always see themselves as bringing unique and important values to the family. And the reason they think that is because it's true. If you have a family that is involved in the business, and I've talked about this before, they're so incredibly valuable. They're a hundred times more valuable from a revenue perspective than a, a generic employee. So you have to realize that each one of these family members has to know what their future is going to be. Just like when you're trying to get someone in the leadership position and no one wanted to, when you're trying to put someone in positions of power within an organization or within a family, you need to really take care to let everyone know that there's value in what they're doing. They're valuable and they have a valuable place in the future of the family, even if it's not at, I mean, people tend to, I think, over-focus on operations and running the business. And because they see that as like, whoever's cranking out the widgets that feed the family, that's somehow the most valuable role. And I think that's, I mean, I think that's a broader, broader cultural failure more than, more than it is just a focus on the failure of business owners. But if your primary and sole focus is on the, I guess, financial continuation of cranking out whatever product or service you're doing, you are not focusing on a lot of the things that is going to contribute to the longevity of your family and family business and recognizing, promoting, and supporting the people who have those other values or, or who have other responsibilities. Because yeah, maybe the person running operations is awesome and they should be making a lot of these executive type decisions, but maybe the real driving force behind your business is those sales. Maybe it's marketing, maybe, you, don't, you don't know where it all is. And I think having the ability to point to that and knowing that everyone has different sets of values is gonna get you through that a little bit. So the third way that you can fail the transition is that the people in charge or the person in charge, I think this happens more often when there's just one person in charge, they just decide there's no way they're going to pass this on. They either want to sell, they just want to they just want to get out or they want someone else to take it over even if there's people ready and willing and capable of taking over and this is this is more of that look I'm not gonna say you shouldn't sell a family business but I'm gonna say you shouldn't sell a family business because there's so many advantages and it puts you in a different place from a future perspective to have something that when you contribute value to it you keep that value so you can be a high-level executive 
And you can make more money than if you owned a family business. That's fine. I mean, you shouldn't at some point if you're really growing in the way you should. But if you're selling these assets off and you're not accumulating them, the value you're getting is just money. And it's we got just money. Well, hey, money's awesome. Yeah, but just money doesn't do it. And I don't mean just from a money isn't everything, you know, all you need is love kind of perspective. That's not my perspective. But money also isn't success. And it especially isn't long-term success. I mean, you could win the lottery tomorrow. Everyone who wins the lottery goes broke. And that's because money doesn't really help that much with success. And that's just a cold, hard fact. You can give someone a pile of money and they're not going to move from their like from the middle class up or sometimes they are if they've got that spirit and they start something and yeah if you give a lump sum to someone who's really good at creating things it's gonna drive that but the driver isn't the money that's just a tool that people that have successful habits and structures use to forward their future so just Again, you can cash in if you want to, and there's good ways to do it. You still need to de-risk. You still need to put all of the things in place that you'll actually get the value out. And that's a family process, especially if you have family employees. And it's a process that can triple the value when you sell it. Because, again, a lot of these M&A firms will come scoop you up if you don't haven't done the things to properly set your business up to sell and function without you. But anyway, if you decide that you're not going to do a family succession... I would say try not to decide that, but that's, again, one of the ways that can happen. So what's contributing to each of these scenarios? Well, when everyone declines a family appointment, when they're deciding, I don't want to take this over, there's usually some personal reasons for that. And the biggest contributing factor is just the amount of trust and openness that you've got. I mean, that's what the research says. It seems like it should be the pay and the incentives. and No, it all comes back to how much your family can speak openly, trust each other, and get along. So there's two ways we can measure how well a transition goes. There's the smoothness of the transition. And this is one of those measurable variables where you can just ask people, how easy was this for it to transfer from one generation to the next? And then there's the success after the transition, which people don't measure as much. They just assume the smoothness of the transition is a proxy for that future success, that, that profitability, the happiness and success of the business in the future. And they're actually not because there's some factors that make the transition more smooth, but don't predict the final outcome. So when you're declining these, when you're having these people decline it, it can either be from all this intrafamilial tension that you didn't know about or the fact that they don't trust each other, they're worried that if they have a leadership role, it's gonna strain their relationships. They're worried that they're not capable. That's another one. Weirdly, that one is actually a little less of a contributing factor than you'd think. So I mentioned that the number one factor is what's measurable in the field as affability and trust. So those are two measures of how the family communicates and how much and what their relationship is based off of. Is it based on a little bit of mistrust? They're worried they're going to get deceived, usurped, overthrown, 
There's going to be backdoor deals. And are they open? That's that affability. Are they open and able to communicate? So those are two different measures, but they're the biggest contributor to both smoothness of transition and that trickier future success thing that people don't really think about as much. So that's the first and best thing you can do. Another big positive contributor to the smoothness is your tax and estate planning strategy. Now this one is one that has positive and negative effects, which you wouldn't expect. But the research says when you have a family that plans well for the future from a tax perspective, from an estate planning perspective, even though you're going to have a smoother transition because you've planned for it somewhat, they're a planning type person. Those that have a heavy, heavy focus on just this estate planning and tax strategy actually have a lower future success predictor, which is against what a lot of researchers thought going into this and against what I would think going into this. I think one of the confounding variables they've got in there is that they're not thinking about families that have really good trust and affability and tax planning. I'd like to see that sussed out. I don't have access to all the raw data, but I have a sneaking suspicion that if you have a lot of trust and a lot of open communication and, a, and good plans from a mo money perspective, you're going to do well in the long term. But the research does say you're going to do worse in the long term if your primary focus is on tax planning, estate planning, strategy like that. And again, I'm not. this is definitely not uh, advocacy to not plan or to not think about taxes or not think about anything like this. But do realize that if that's your primary focus, just setting this up in a way that's going to protect just the money, not people, then you're going to have failure in the long term, even if I think communication aspect of things. They just focus on if, if I can get the family to communicate, if I can have them be open, if we can discuss, it, discuss issues, that's going to solve everything. And it might solve a lot of things, just like a really good tax strategy or estate plan might solve a lot of things. But I think you need a lot of, I think you need a lot of plans in combination in order to achieve the kind of result you're actually looking for. So that, that brings me to another variable, which is an interesting one, because I don't think every family is going to have access to this option. And that option is having, and I'm going to make another prescription here, you should be after something more like a dynastic wealth. You should, I mean, this is all this normative stuff, and if you don't agree with me, get off here. But I think what's valuable and meaningful and what you should be passionate about isn't even this transition smoothness or the future success of that core business. It's setting up a structure that's not going to die, that's going to be there for everyone that comes after you, and that's going to perpetuate more than the business. So even solving for communication in the short to medium term isn't, isn't enough for that. This is something much, much, much bigger than that. And if that's not what you're after, again, that is totally fine by me. But what makes me passionate about this and what makes people I talk to passionate about this is the idea that you can solve for communication 
in perpetuity. And that happens with these processes I talk about, and I'll get a little more into that later, but if you set up the rules for how you communicate, not just get to the point right now where you can communicate well, this is the difference between eating well for a day and having a diet and a habit and a lifestyle that you live for this, again, this living person. Michael and I both talk about it this way because that's how it is and what it should be. Your family is a living person, your business is, it has to grow and change and diets don't work, okay? You can't just get on a diet and get off it. I'm not saying you can't lose weight and you can't be in shape. Of course you can, but it's how you live and the rules and the discipline that you follow that allow you to have this freedom and, and express those capacities and survive into the future. So that's what you should be after. You shouldn't be after solving for any of these one variables. And I think that's where a lot of this whole, I guess, industry and the focus is missing out. They're saying, what do I need to do as one part of my life to get in shape? I'm going to build muscle. And that doesn't solve for your performance at your business. That doesn't solve for any of these other variables. What you need to be solving for that whole picture. And you need to be solving for a long time, forever if possible. And that comes down to a much larger approach that I think, I think that's what people are really after. What they're reaching towards. They're reaching towards something that will continue who they are, what they care about, past where they are now, and to <laughs> yeah, where they hope to be. And if that got a little too philosophical, Aristotelian, all that, that's just going to be something you're going to have to deal with on this podcast. But I think that meaning, that telos, and the thriving, the prosperity, the whole concept of reaching your capacity as a person and as a family and building that in a virtuous way over time is, is the only way to go forward. And that's heavy and that's deep and that's difficult, but it solves for all of these measurable quantitative variables in the short term over the long term in a living fashion. And that's what I'm advocating for here. I think that's how you're going to make these better decisions. And more than that, I think that's how you're going to be happy and how people five generations down the line are going to be happy and healthy. And just like I talked about before, this one business you brought value into the world. When you have a kid, you bring value into the world. You're dragging value out of nothingness and out of chaos into reality. Gosh, this is a little too serious, but I really think that's what you should be shooting for when you do this. And with a mindset toward that long-term vision, towards where you want to be forever, it's going to solve these trivial things like how we communicate openly because that's just a part of the living family and the ideas and the ideals that you hold and hope to pass on and solving for your tax strategy is solving in the particular but by a set of rules and following a process in a way that's gonna live and move on past you. I'll, I'll get back to the studies but that's what I'm hoping you're here to try to figure out and so that's what I had to talk about for a little bit. Okay anyway back to reality here. In summary, on the whole tax planning variable, it helps with the transition, but 
tax strategy, estate planning, all that doesn't necessarily help in that long-term success. So keep that in mind. You have to think about the long-term plans and goals and not just of that tax strategy, but for each individual where they're developing up through that business, how your business is going to develop up into the future and how these strategies might have to change over time and thinking about how they had to start. So that, that brings me to another variable, which is an interesting one, because I don't think every family is going to have access to this option. And that option is having your family member work up through the business. Depending on how and when you started and how you grow, it might not even be possible for you to start a family member off at a lower position in the business. And that comes to the second factor of when people aren't going to accept the successor. So I, I think the open communication, trust, getting your values out there is, is a good way to deal with the first one. If you can be confident that that's there and you've openly talked about it, you're not going to be shocked that no one wants to take it over. That's going to, I think, jump that hurdle. But talking about this second one where people aren't going to accept the person that's taking over, that's more than just the people. So now we're extending into that broader community of your family, of your employees, and especially your key employees. So overcoming that is more about, so it's like a three-step process. You have to build up someone or, or a group of people that are confident to be in a, in a leadership role. And they need to understand that that's where they're going. Once you've got that, you need to establish the credibility of those people to the people around you. And one of the ways to do that that's supported again by the literature is having them work their way up through the business. Now, as I said, this might not be possible if you were a smaller company to start. I know it wasn't with my family. I mean, we, <laughs> our business continually quadrupled in size out of nowhere, but we were all there from the beginning, so we ended up in leadership positions as the second generation so my dad started it but then you've got I mean we came up in and through leadership positions in our respective areas so that wasn't possible for us I think it I think the credibility is there because there's really no working your way up from you know mopping and cleaning the dishes because you still had to do that when you were small so I guess we worked our way up as the business worked its way up which I hope is acceptable because it predicts success. But if you do have more employees and you have the ability to let your family members work at all different positions throughout, you're going to get a lot of respect from your key employees. You're going to see whether they've actually got what it takes and whether they understand what they're controlling. I mean, this, is, this seems like common sense, but people have a lot of pride, especially when they understand that the members of their family share their values they probably share some of that crazy work ethic you've got if you're an owner of a business. So you're going, well, I've got a really intelligent, hardworking person that shares my values that I could put in a leadership position to leverage their talents. Why the heck would I not do that? And I definitely hear you because there is that concern. I, I always say don't do you know $12 an hour work as someone who's capable of strategic long-term thinking and planning because that's you know 
hundreds, if not thousands of dollar an hour work if done correctly. But from the beginning, you can't know whether this person is able to do thousands of dollar per hour work if they don't understand what they're controlling and how they go up. So even if it's just stacking boxes or doing basic tax tasks like that, putting them through those different levels of the organization, having them compete, or I'm, I'm a competitive spirit, so I say compete, but just be a part of the processes that support the business at least a little bit, it's gonna help you a lot. So I think that's kind of that second con concern. So this is back to those three ways that you can fail the transition, one being the individual. So we've built up people that want to maybe take this over. Two, we're establishing their credibility. So another way you can establish credibility if you don't have access to working up through the organization like I talked about is getting them other educational opportunities, getting them to work outside the business. And again, if you can't afford this from a they're so useful already perspective, obviously you can't accomplish that, but you need to establish credibility somehow. And this has to be a plan. This has to be a development plan and it has to include the people that are gonna contribute to the future success of the company. So not just your family. You might have a key manager, a key salesperson. They need to also be all in about this transition and respect it. And they need to have a way to know that their futures aren't completely limited just because there's family members showing up. You don't want to be losing these people because they just don't think it's fair that this family member's coming up and through this organization right past them. who And they're going to feel they know more and they have more experience. And they definitely have more experience and they may know more. So they're not going to be wrong necessarily 100% of the time. You need to establish that credibility. And then also with the family establish that credibility because it's, I mean, it might not always be, if you've got multiple kids, the, the most coveted leadership role might not always go to the oldest or the person that, it's a complicated thing. So establishing that credibility is 100% necessary and you need to go about that in a very serious and I guess intentional way. So talking about that third scenario, there, there's a, that one gets a lot more complex because some of it can just be money. You see that someone's gonna make you out a check for you know, 20, 30 million dollars for your business and you go, man, I could use that. But this gets back to that whole thing where money doesn't mean success or at least just money doesn't mean success. Even if you pass 90, 95% of that on to the next generation through a well-organized tax strategy. You can't just expect the next generation to use that money properly or to use it in a way, I mean, are they gonna start their own business or are they just gonna store this and invest it? Um, I, I, I don't know, it's not gonna contribute. Money doesn't necessarily contribute to future success and in fact, can hinder it because they're used to having money and used to spending money, used to using money for things, especially if they've been a part of a business. You think, oh man, a couple grand, that's nothing from a business perspective. You got to spend it on equipment. You got to spend it on this, spend it on that, keep everything running. Then you get to that family or personal context and now thousands of dollars might start meaning something when you don't have that churning business behind the scenes. And a million dollars might seem like a lot today, but it's not tomorrow. You need things that continually generate wealth, meaning, growth, purpose, 
all that lovely stuff, a place for them to exist, a home, all of these structures. And you're going to hear me talk about structure a lot. And people think structure equals stagnant or structure equals unmoving, concrete, rocks, I mean, process, all, all these words that sound mechanical and unchanging. But I think maybe this is just a failure of the English language too. And this is why we often define in Family Prosperity Partners the family is a living thing, a living, breathing thing. Because a living thing is a process. It has to eat. It goes through chemical reactions, and it continues to function in that way. But it grows and changes and gets stronger if it works out, gets sick if it doesn't take care of itself, and dies if ultimately it's not taken care of at all. You don't feed it. You don't pay attention to it. So in that way, there's processes that handle these. So I, I say, yeah, you have to approach it in an intentional way. And I think that was sort of vague because I think families have different values, different processes that they're going to put in place. And I think that even if I prescribe them to you, it's not going to make sense. It's not going to jive 100%. And it's especially not going to work if you don't have that buy-in. So we talked about affability and trust. That was that first solution. And what I hate about these studies, even though I love the numbers, I love the quantitative ability for it to point to the truth, it's not telling you how to get there. Because I just say, yes, foster trust among your family. <laughs> That's not how it works. Uh, I mean, I don't want to get too political, but I think the statement trust but verify is a good statement. And the way that you can always verify trust is if you know what people are supposed to be up to and you can go take a peek at it. So that just comes down to knowing what people need to be doing, knowing what they're responsible for, having ways to measure it. And again, it sounds like all of this stuff that's concrete and movable. But what it really is, is a way of functioning that you can work within to grow and evolve. So at the end of the day, how do we deal with these? If you want to stop people from declining to take over your family business, you ask them whether they want to do it, and you put them in a position where they feel confident to do it. So that's that openness of communication, and that's preparing them a little bit, letting them come up through the organization. By letting them come up through the organization, you're going to convince those around you that the next generation or whoever's taking over next is capable of doing it. That's our, that's our second issue when the group of people rejects the next successor to the family business. So you've got to bring them up through the organization and you have to teach them about how it works. And you have to show everyone around you have development plans for not only that family member, but those key employees so they understand how they fit into this. You need to plan and demonstrate. Third, how do you actually decide whether to keep this in your family and get that and that comes down to that values discussion that philosophical rant I went on a little bit earlier it's about unifying your family behind that concept and deciding to go through it that one can be more difficult because if you have financial concerns if you have concerns about competency any concern anything that can hit anywhere can be a reason that you decide not to continue developing this business, developing the assets that you have. And that one's a mindset. It's more of a decision than it is anything. 
but you can support that decision with almost everything. So that one's open to a myriad of issues in that anything that's going wrong can make you more likely to, to just dump this and take the money and run. But at the same time, everything you're doing to improve the situation of your family and the business and stabilizing things is going to contribute, hopefully, to that decision to keep it within the family or at least keep it governed by the family, even if you install an executive or something like that. And all of this always comes back down to just commitment, process, writing it down, and then execution and accountability. That's going to be the steps always and every time. Accountability was a variable I didn't quite touch on today because I think I'm going to actually do an entire podcast on just accountability because that's a variable just like the future success that's less often measured and more difficult, but I think ties back to and explains a lot of these other variables. So yeah, the buy-in, the process, and then the accountability and execution. If you can accomplish those three things and if you can integrate them into every aspect of your life, you're going to solve for more than just these transition issues I've talked about. You're going to solve for things like happiness, like the survival of your family, and the continuation of your values, which is what I'm all about and I hope you're all about. So this has been an analysis of those transition failures, some of the variables that really contribute to them, and a few ideas on how to mitigate the risk. Thanks for tuning in to the Family Prosperity Podcast. I really hope you could leave a review, a like, or send this to someone if you thought it was very valuable. We put a lot of time and effort into each and every one of these podcasts, and I hope it brought some value, some insight, and maybe a little passion back into doing boring things like planning for the future. Remember to tune back in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. I know we have a number of awesome interviews coming up, so please check those out. And I'm excited for you to tune back in.